Welcome to the Anything But Square podcast. On today's episode, we are in conversation with Frida from Lentil As Anything's Inconvenience Store. Frida is the program manager of a store in Melbourne's inner north that allows customers to pay what they feel for delicious meals and a store made up of food that would otherwise be thrown away. We sit down with Frida to talk about food, food waste, the future of food security, and what it's like to run an NGO on a pay-as-you-feel basis. So it was started in 2018, and it's kind of gone through a whole range of iterations since then. So a lot of the things in Lentil just kind of seem to grow organically out of a need that someone's identified in the community. But I think it's really come into its own recently. So uh, since 2018, we've done a lot of little pop-ups with the store at different farmers markets. We've had a a rescued fruit juice business. We've had um, relationships with different food rescue organizations um, and with Big Market and Preston Market. Uh, we also had a pop-up store at Melbourne Uni, which was really successful. But I think we've also really evolved over time and I'm really excited to see where the store's going now because we've realized, especially throughout the pandemic, that the most the most secure food source is local. So, you know, we all saw when there was, when there was panic buying and there were no, there was no toilet paper or meat all disappeared off the shelves that we have no control over those long supply chains that feed into the big supermarkets like Coles and Woolworths. But then if you've got a friend who can give you some toilet paper and you can give them some beans, then you're never going to run out of food. You know, if you've got people around you who can, who can, who are close and can help you and support you when you need and you're never going to run out of food. So what we've been trying to do is really build strong relationships with local producers, even backyard gardeners, with local food retailers and grocery stores. Um, and then, of course, with the individual sellers at Vic Market and Preston Market. So they know we're coming each week. They know that we've got, you know, we've got that relationship with them. And it means that they care about us and they call us when they have extra stuff. And we can call them if we're really running out and needing to support anyone in particular. So we're really trying to focus on the community aspect of it and that hyperlocal food security um, as opposed to, I guess, perhaps what the original vision of the store was, which is reducing food waste in a kind of global sense. It's really about using that waste to increase food security at a really local level. That's a really good summary. Perfect summary. Thank you. I've said it many times. <laughs> so you mentioned food security and also touched on the locavore movement. How important is that? I think it's so important and it's only going to get more important. I mean, you know, climate change is going to have a massive impact on, you know, Australia and global wide production, but also, you know, supply chains. Um, and, you know, with the bushfires, we saw that there's, you know, areas where food production was wiped out and there's also cuts to supply chains. And then we saw that, you know, with Coles or um, I know that with some of the other distribution organisations, if there's one COVID case on a production line, they supply so many people that suddenly you've got thousands and thousands of grocery stores that aren't receiving anything just because they're going to have to, these production lines are so concentrated. So I think that's going to become more and more important. And also just, I think people have really realised that the community element, so that locavore, but not just you growing your own food, but you growing a food within your community and supporting your local community is going to become so much more important because you can't 
I guess because that's where your needs will be met kind of no matter what, where people care about you. And I think that's that's really this whole whole period has really shown that if you've got a place to reach out and you've got someone who can go and buy your groceries for you or who can top you up when you need it, that's what's what's keeping people um, away from really precarious situations. How has the store changed over time? It's been really interesting watching, like looking back at the archives and talking to people about how the stores developed because I think there was a lot of things that um, maybe from the beginning had to be learned about food and even myself that I wouldn't have noticed. You know, if I'd started the store myself, I would have made the same mistakes. But just the fact that rescued food goes off way more quickly than fresh food or un, you know underripe food that's put on the supermarket shelves and so that's something that's something I found really interesting like say uh, I remember someone saying you know at the very beginning there were these beautiful piles of oranges that would then just have like flies buzzing around them because they'd be like starting to decompose and so you know having to look at stuff like that and one of my bigger things is we've got to like restock the store every single day or you know two or three times a day it's not like set it up for the day and then let it look beautiful. I mean, at the moment it has a massive turnover, so we're restocking it all the time. But just putting a few things out and keeping everything in the fridge because you've got like two days before it, you know, attracts rodents and then you've got this whole issue. Can you talk to us about how you make it work when the funding relies on pay-as-you-feel donations? You've got to be so resourceful, you know, and just like, how do I make this work with almost no resources? And it's the, it's the question of every not-for-profit, isn't it? Lentor's been lucky in the sense that it does have at least a regular revenue stream usually. We've built up our community over a really long period of time through the restaurants and because we've been able to pr- provide this, you know, cheap or free food for such a long time we have this really big community and we've also been doing all the training um like hospitality training and then we've also been you know employing range of different people and there's been heaps of different projects so we do have a lot of goodwill so basically at the moment especially given that our main source of income which is the restaurants has dropped by 90 percent through all the restrictions of covid it's just about asking our community um, one of our volunteers put a call out the other day for a printer and we got like five printers within 24 hours. Like I think the thing about Lentil is that people are pretty intrepid and they're happy to do the best with what they've got. So we might not have a printer that is fast and makes pretty pictures, but like everyone just, they'll print it in black and white and then draw on it with crayons to make it look pretty. COVID's really given us the opportunity to look at our resource management um, throughout the whole organisation. And I think that's something that everyone's doing at the moment is what do you do when you want to help everyone, but you have very limited resources? And that's, that's really difficult for us because we're used to being able to at least do something for a lot of people. Even if it's not everything, it's always something and it's always trying. But then how do you kind of, how do you go it's it's really hard sometimes being in the position of going, I don't know if we can help. 
I don't know if we have those resources at the moment. I think the other thing with lentils is that we haven't really in the past done the most that we could with government grants um, or with even philanthropy or even individual donations because we've always had a kind of low-level consistent income through the restaurant. So now that we don't have that, at least we're lucky that there are options to be explored. So we're kind of working on a fundraising strategy as well. How did you get involved? I've always been really interested in food security. So um, I was running my own business for five years before before I kind of got involved in Lentil. I was running my own business and then um, took maternity leave and um, took the opportunity while I was on maternity leave, you know, just because that's not enough work for one person, decided to do a certificate in agricultural science because I've always been really interested in the supply chains um, and food security. My background's economics and I think kind of the food security questions um, and economics are really complementary because economics kind of gives you the tools to see the wider picture and the regulatory framework and the way that the kind of economy is set up to favour consolidated supply chains and um, vertical integration and, you know, the growth of monopolies and things like that. But then it also allows you to look at individual choices. So, you know, how many tonnes of food do people throw out because they buy too much and then don't don't get to use it and things like that. You know, what what are the mechanisms that influence people's choices around that? So I've always been really interested in food security and I really just started volunteering at Lentil at the beginning of the year. So I started in February just helping with fundraising, but then the manager of Food Without Borders left and so I kind of put my hand up to do the role because it was really in the direction that I wanted to be in. Um, and I was lucky enough to get into it. And then I think I did the role for two weeks and then we got shut down for COVID and kind of pivoted the whole project from a um, from a food rescue operation to a food relief operation. The idea is to really work on food security, not just reduction of food waste. I guess with our food security program, it's kind of tackling a flashpoint in the food security cycle. We have the gardens, um, so that's all locally grown. We've got one garden at Abbotsford and one garden in Preston, and then we also have one in Newtown in Sydney. So that can reduce the cost of our kitchen or that can increase the amount of um, really fresh produce that we're able to make available in the grocery store. And it's really local. So we're not having to, you know, organise trucks and petrol and all of that because it's 1K down the road. Then we've got the food relief program. So that's, I guess, focusing on the problem, like on the acute needs for food relief. Um, But that's also groceries. So uh, distributing food to people who don't don't have that food. So that's a kind of acute food security issue. And then we've also got with the food rescue, um, it's kind of expanded into linking up with other kitchen gardens and backyard farmers and local grocery stores. We're trying to tackle food security at a number of different points. And what it ends up doing is allowing us to be secure in our provision of food to the community. We're kind of modelling what we think perhaps a more food secure system should be in a really small scale. I'd love to hear more about the impact you're having. How many people are you able to help each week? Yeah, so so at the moment we have about 80 people coming through the store each week and the average take is about five kilos. 
Um, so that's about 400 kilos a week of produce just going out through the store alone. And that's on top of the 650 meals that we serve through the restaurant and about 900 that we're serving as pure food. So, or the average, the average take is about five kilos and it's, that's growing too. We actually also have a grocery delivery service that we've just started up. Um, and that was in response to a lot of requests, especially from international students who live in more isolated areas. So a lot of them live in the outer, like further out. There's a few in Melbourne that are struggling to get, like in Melbourne city that are struggling to get, um, produce or to, to pay for food as well. Cause, um, apart from big market, there's a lot of, um, you know, it's quite expensive to live there. But yeah, so in res- we've started up this, uh, we've started up a grocery delivery service in response to um, so many queries from the international students. And they're, um, yeah, often living in areas like Reservoir, Laylor, yeah, around, around Bandura, um, even in Dandenong and Noble Park um, in that area. They're people who I guess they, they went to go close to the university, but now they have, you know, nothing within five kilometres. They're scared to go on public transport. They don't have money for an Uber. Um, they've got no family support. They're worried about asking for support because they're worried that that will violate their visa conditions. So we've been contacted. We've hooked up with VicWise, which is a kind of body representing international students in Melbourne. And so we're listed on their website as one of the providers and we've got so many inquiries so each week we send out I think we sent out last week we sent out 20 bags of groceries covering about 40 people and that is from queries in the last two weeks and I get I get probably an extra three or four every single day Um, and a lot of them are families as well I think that's what we forget about international students is that a lot of the time they bring their families as well. How can people help and get involved? I guess there are two ways I would encourage people to support food security um, in their local community. And the first one is just get in contact with your local community organisations and see how you can help. So, you know, neighbourhood houses are incredible. They're always the ones who've got their ear to the ground. They're understanding what people need. You cannot underestimate the value of neighbourhood houses. Um, so I'd really encourage people to get involved in their local community because that's how we're going to become stronger and less reliant on those long food supply chains. And as COVID has shown us, you never know when you're going to need the support. Lentil as anything and our Food Without Borders food security program, we really want to keep being able to support the community and we feel that we've been doing a really good job and making a big difference just through the numbers. We've seen them increase over time and we've also built some really strong partnerships with other local community organisations um, and what's most important is people working together and organisations working together to support each other Um, because then we avoid double up um, and we also, you know, make our resources most efficient. But I guess at this point, lentil, if, if you want to support lentil, the most, the best thing you can do is donate because our traditional revenue stream of the restaurants has been reduced by 90%. um, And so 
we we really appreciate donations of produce we really appreciate donations of dry goods because they're the hardest to come by as donated produce but also if if you want to donate whether it's one dollar or a million dollars it's um you know it's the resource that's the resource that everyone's missing at the moment um, and that's going to allow us to keep buying the produce that we can't source um from donations um, and that's all the basic stuff like rice and pasta that makes a huge difference to the people, you know, who, who are needing food. That's the kind of basis of a lot of, a lot of meals. So, so any donations we get at the moment are going into our food relief program, um, and supporting us being able to run the restaurants by paying our electricity bill and paying our water bill. And then, yeah, if you want to help get in touch, we can't take volunteers as much at the moment. But, you know, once stores are open, we always love volunteers and building our community as well. People can get in touch through the website, but if they're really interested in the food security program in particular, they can email foodwithoutborders, fwb at lentilisanything.com or just get in touch through the website. Um, We're a pretty small team and we talk a lot, so it'll eventually get to the right person. (laughs) I'd like to thank Frida once again for spending this time with us. Since recording this podcast, we have learned that Lentils Anything is now facing its biggest financial challenge to date. They are now on the verge of closing and entering into administration. They are calling on us, their community, to help keep Lentils alive. If you would like to help, you can go to their website where you'll find links to the GoFundMe page at www.lentilasanything.com. New episodes of Anything But Square are released every Wednesday and we encourage you to subscribe to the podcast and sign up to our newsletter at fedsquare.com. Take care and we'll see you next Wednesday.